of the crazy ones. The misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or glorify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them. Because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you this morning. Great to be with you. So that was the TV ad that Apple ran in 1997. And let's be honest. Today, there is not a person alive today that does not know this image, that does not know what this logo is associated with. I mean, everyone today knows of Apple. And I was doing some research this week uh, of trying to figure out how many people worldwide own an Apple product, iPhone, iPad, computer, something, and I was blown away. So worldwide, and I'm talking America and third world countries combined, uh, one in every five people own an Apple device. Like that is insanity. That means more people own an Apple device than have access to clean drinking water in this world. Like they've done pretty good, you know. But in 1997 when Apple ran that ad, they were not the company they are today. As a matter of fact, after they ran that ad, the LA Times labeled them as a dead brand. So the question is, how in 24 years did they go from being a dead company to who they are today? And there's a lot of reasons, you know, for, for how that happened. But I think one of the main reasons of, of how that happened is because they chose to do what they talked about in that ad. They, they chose to think differently than everyone else. They were thinking differently than everyone else about technology, about the accessibility of technology, the usability of technology, technology platforms. And because they chose to think different, it's no understatement to say that they changed the world. I mean, truly, Apple's changed the world. They've changed, they changed how the world works, operates, how the world accesses, accesses information, how the world communicates with one another. The fact that we all have smartphones today is because of Apple. And what my favorite, my favorite line from that entire commercial, that 1997 commercial was, the people who think they are crazy enough to change the world are the ones who do. And I would add, they're also the ones who think differently than the rest of the world does. <coughs> now, I bring this up because in some ways it connects to what the church the community of Christ followers, not just our church, but the church is all about. See, we've been called by Jesus to change the world. And Jesus was crazy enough to think that we can, and I'm crazy enough to think that we can too. But in order for it to happen, we're going to have to think differently. And that's what I'm going to challenge us all to do today and over the next couple weeks. I'm going to come back to that whole think differently thing in just a second. But I want to remind you that last week we asked a really important question. We asked the question, who is God for? And we discovered that God is for people. 
Now we know this because Jesus himself said that God sent, that the entire reason that God sent him was to seek and save those who were lost. Those who have a broken relationship with Holy Creator God because of their violation of sin against him. And that's you and 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 me and you and every single person alive. Uh, Jesus was clear that our Heavenly Father sent him on a mission to restore and redeem and reconcile our relationship with him. That's what Jesus gave his life on the cross for. And that's what Jesus rose from the grave to prove that he can do. And what I need you to know, every single person, wherever you're on your spiritual journey, what you've got to know is that God is for you. The entire reason that he sent his son, the entire reason that Jesus died, the entire reason that Jesus rose from the grave was because of his great love for you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know the peace and the joy and the life and the fulfillment and the purpose and the salvation and the forgiveness that only he can provide. And if you've never accepted that gift, if you don't know him, it's all it requires is just putting your faith in Jesus. Asking Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And if you've never done that, man, I, I hope you choose to do that today. But for those of us who have done it, those of us who, you know, are a part of the church, the community, the gathering of Christ followers, we've got to know that when Jesus left this earth, he called us to carry on his mission of being for those whom he is for. So, what does Jesus want us to be known for? What does Jesus want his church to be known for? Well, at Relevant, here's our answer. We are for people because God is. In a world where churches are often known by what they're against, which is so sad, we want to be known by what we're for. We're for people because God is. At Relevant, we're for people because God is. We're for people who don't, we don't agree with and don't agree with us because God is. We're for people who have turned their back on God because God is. We're for people who don't believe in God, don't trust in Him, and don't want to trust in Him because God is. We're for people who are sinful and prideful and unloving and immoral and un unforgivable because God is we're for people who are broken and downcast and weary and forgotten and hurting because God is we're for people who are helpless people who are hopeless people who are lost because God is and it's so important that this is what we're known for because the only way people will know that God is for them is if we are the only way that people's going to know that God is for them is if you are see so many people have written God off because they believe that so because they believe God has written them off. And I'm not okay with that because Jesus paid too high of a price on the cross for that current thinking to be by so many people. And so at Relevant, we're here to help change that. We're here to show people that God hasn't written them off because we haven't written them off. Listen, come on. We have the greatest message the world ever is going to hear. We have the greatest message the world needs to hear. We have the message of hope, of joy, of peace, of forgiveness, of salvation that Jesus came for, Jesus died for and Jesus rose from the grave for and the only way a skeptical world is ever going to know that church is for them is if they know that we are for them and not against them but in order to be known by being for people we're going to have to think differently now what you need to know is we don't have to think differently about our positions we do about our posture though 
See, it's so important you know this. You don't have to change. You don't have to compromise your doctrinal positions, your theological positions, your moral positions, your social positions, even your political positions to be for people or to be known by being for people. You simply need to change your posture because chances are your, your positions are not the par- primary problem in people coming to know and believe that you're for them. Chances are your posture is the problem. So in order to be for people that God is for, we need to think differently about our posture and put that ahead of our positions. And here's the posture that I am going to challenge you to start thinking about differently. Here's the posture that I'm going to challenge you to take today, and it is this, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Now, listen, if you say, I'm not a follower of Christ, I don't even know what I believe about all this, I'm not a church person, I can't even believe I'm here or I'm tuning in, I'm so glad you are. You don't have to apply anything we're talking about today, but I invite you to. Listen, you can apply what we're talking about today without believing anything written in the Bible is true. And I think you should, because if you do, it's going to make you better at life, and this will make your relationships better. But for those of us who are followers of Christ, who say we put our faith in Jesus— we got to know, being quick to listen and slow to speak is one of the most powerful postures that you can take to show people that you're for them. Because, this is so simple, you know this, everyone wants to be heard. It's true. Everyone wants to be heard. When someone has a different position than you do, and that you don't agree with, your natural inclination, my natural inclination is to be quick to speak. Because we want to be heard. We want people to hear us. And, and you may go, they need to know my position. Because, by the way, my position is the right position. They need to know my right position so that they can change their position. And how is that going to happen if I don't, you know, make it ultra clear right now? And you need to know that when you're thinking that, they're thinking the same thing you are. They're thinking the exact same thing you are. And since they want to be heard, and you want to be heard and I want to be heard, their natural inclination, your natural inclination, my natural inclination is to be quick to speak, talk, 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 and slow to listen. And, when, and, and what we need to know, and we all know this, is that that never results in anyone's, anyone changing their positions. Your position has never been changed because someone chose to talk at you instead of listen to you. Never once. Never once have you said, thank you. Thank you for not listening to me and just talking at me. I have chosen now to change my position. You've never said that. And you know what? You've never heard that from anyone either by you just talking at them. When we just are quick to speak and don't listen, 10 times out of 10, the result is tension in the relationship. It's conflict in the relationship. What happens that maybe you don't realize that happens is when we're quick to speak and slow to listen, we close up. And they close up too. We close up mentally and emotionally and relationally and physically. And physically, closed hands are only good for one thing, aren't they? Closed hands are only good for fighting. And that fighting, it, you know, fighting with them sooner or later results in them concluding, you're against me. Because anyone who's throwing fists at me, sooner or later, I'm going to conclude, they're probably against me. But when we're quick to listen and slow to speak... Our minds, our hearts, our ears, our body are open to them. And by default, we communicate, I care about you. 
I care about you ahead of the issues. I care about you despite our disagreements. I care about you regardless of your position or my position. And when we're more open with them because and communicating, I care about you, they become more open to you. They become more open to us. And that's why one of the most powerful positions you could take to show, that, show people that you're for them is to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And I know some of you right now are thinking, I wish they were here to hear this. <laughs> Man, I, I wish my dad was here. I, my stupid neighbor, I wish they were really here. My kids, I wish they were here to hear this. My stupid bo- Man, my employees, if my employees were here to this, you know, that, that person I've been arguing with on social media for the last two weeks, I wish they were, I'm going to send them this link later. They need to hear this. But come on. This isn't about them. This is about you. And listen, this is a relational game changer. This is a game changer for, to show people that you're for them. However, as we're going to discover, applying this affects so much more than that. Now, what you need to know is I didn't come up with this posture, be quick to listen, slow, slow to speak, I actually stole it from Jesus' younger brother. His name's James. And James is actually the author of one of our New Testament books called that we call the book of James, but the book of James was originally a letter written by James to the first century church about 15 or 20 years after the event of Jesus' life. And James introduces this posture toward the beginning of his letter. Now, what you didn't know, I have preached this passage many, many, many times. But it's so powerful when it comes to being for people that I knew I needed to preach it again in this series. So here's what James says. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Basically, what I'm about ready to say is so important. Sit up straight, write this down. Take note of this. Everyone, everyone. Remember, he's writing to followers of Christ, writing to people who put their faith in Jesus. Everyone, every follower of Christ. You, 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 you. No one is exempt of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. He's like, hey, you want to be heard, right? Like, you want to have influence in people's lives, right? Like, you want people to know God is for them, and so are you, right? Well, then take the posture of being quick to listen. And here's the other statement. Slow to speak. And the idea here is be late when it comes to our words. To wait and be late. You're like, how in the world do I do that? Like, and this is super deep. You're going to be so glad that you came this morning or you tuned in, tune in this morning because this is going to blow your mind. This is going to be so deep. Like, how do I, you know, be slow to speak? You ready? Ask a question. It's deep, isn't it? It's blowing your mind. Hold on to your chair. I mean, whenever someone has a different position than you do that you don't agree with, the way you take the posture of being quick to listen and slow to speak is by asking questions. Well... <laughs> If I do that, they'll keep talking. <laughs> what do I do then? Ask three more. Just keep providing on-ramps for them to talk. Well, why should I do that? Because it's one of the most powerful postures you can take to show that people that you are for them. It's how they will feel heard. And as I said before, when people feel heard, they feel like you care about them. But the other thing is, is this is powerful for us too. Being quick to listen and slow to speak is powerful for ourselves as well because it's how we learn about them. It's how we learn where they're coming from. 
why they feel the way they do, why they're making the conclusions they are, why they're making the, why they, how do they came to those assumptions? How do they ended up concluding on those positions? And this learning about them is so powerful, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But I know some of you are going, I don't care about learning about them. I want to be heard. And I know that about some of you because I've talked to you. I want to be heard. And let me tell you what. You can go ahead and take that posture from this point forward. Go ahead and take it. You can take that posture. But you need to know that when you do, you're communicating, I care about my position more than I care about them. If you take that posture, you need to know that's what you're communicating. I care about more about my position than I do about you. And once again, has that posture ever helped anything? Has that posture ever changed anyone's position that you know? Ever changed anyone's mind that you know? Ever changed their actions? Has that posture ever had positive influence on anyone that you know? And the answer is no. And you already know that. All it does is create a me-against-you gap. So why in the world would we want to keep taking the posture of being quick to speak, quick to speak, quick to speak? Listen, you know that everything would change if everyone else did this. But this is not about them. It's about you. It's about me. Listen, if, if we get these two ideas right, like the next part of this becomes so easy. Should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And you're like, whoa, where, did, where the heck did that come from? Well, here's what we know. Like, it's so easy to feel angry, to feel angry when people have a different position. I mean, isn't it? Isn't it true? Like, when they say or they do or they believe things that we don't like that I disagree with, that I'm offended by, that I don't believe, when they disagree with my position, when they push back at my position, when they belittle me for my position, when they oppose my position, right, it's so easy for the feelings of anger just to stir up inside. And that's why you need to know James is not talking about not feeling angry. Like, it's not possible to not feel angry. You can't control how you feel. Listen, I couldn't believe any more strongly that no baby should ever be aborted. And when someone is on the other side of that position, I feel angry inside. I can't help how I feel inside. So James is not talking about not feeling angry. James is talking about not letting our internal anger express itself externally in hurtful ways, either with our words or our actions. Because when we do, it hurts them. And when we do, it hurts the relationship. You know this. No relationship has ever improved when, because when someone expressed their anger in a hurtful way. No marriage has ever improved. No friendship has ever improved. No boss employee has ever improved when someone's expressing anger in hurtful ways with their words or their actions. Because hurtful words and actions communicate, I am against you. So James is saying one of the best ways to not express hurtful anger is to understand where they're coming from by taking the posture of being quick to listen, slow to speak, by asking questions. Well, I'd rather tell them they're an idiot. I'd rather tell them what they need to do and what they need to know and what, what they need to understand. It's just a lot easier to do that, and you're right. It's a whole heck of a lot easier to do it. It's just extraordinarily destructive. Come on. You know this would be a game changer. You know this would be a game changer in your relationships. You know this would be a game changer in people knowing that we are for them, not against them. You know it. I mean, if we stopped right there, this would be enough, wouldn't it? But James isn't finished yet. He goes on. 
His next word he says is because. Basically, I'm going to tell you why this is such a, such a big deal. And you're like, I know why this is a big deal. Because if I'm calmer, I'll be more convincing. This is a great tactic in order, you know, to leverage in order to change them, in order to get them to disagree, in order to get them to agree with me, in order to get them to come over from the dark side. And James is like, oh gosh. This isn't about you becoming more convincing. This is about you and your anger. He says, because human anger, basically anger expressing itself on the outside in hurtful ways, does not produce or result in or cultivate the righteousness or rightness, that's what that word means, that God desires. And you're like, whoa, 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 why are we bringing God into this? I thought we were talking about relationships. And James like, yeah, I'm getting there. Listen, when we are quick to speak, talk, 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 and slow to listen, you know what essentially we're saying is? Essentially what we're saying is, I'm right, and I want you to know I'm right. And by the way, I want everyone else to know I'm right too. And you know what that's called? It's called my rightness or self-righteousness. And the feelings of that we feel of anger easily produce this. And James is saying that's not the right that's not the rightness or the righteousness that God desires. That's not the right right. And you have to know what James is drawing us into this this is so huge. James is basically saying the righteousness that God desires is being right with them. We naturally want for them to know that they're wrong and our positions are right, but what God desires is that we are right with them. Did you know that when you win an argument, you don't actually win anything? I mean, all the married people know that, but did you, the rest of you know that? That when you win an argument, you don't actually win anything? Did, did you know that fighting to be right, even if it's right, even if you're right, can actually make things worse? Did you know that? Because you can write a person right out of the relationship. You can be right, be right, be right, be right about your position all day long and write them right out of the relationship. You can fight for your position or you can take the posture of fighting for the relationship, but very rarely can you fight for both. Let me say it again. You can fight for your, you know, for your right position, or you can take a posture of fighting for the relationship, but very rarely can you fight for both. And when we're right, we're right, we're right, we're right, we're right, we just right out, right out of the relationship. And as soon as you lose the relationship, you know, you lose something extraordinarily important. As soon as you lose the relationship, as you write them right out of the relationship, you lose the opportunity and the ability to have any positive impact or influence in their life from that point forward. And you may be right. Your position may be right. But when we lose the relationship, we're wrong. Because we've lost the ability and them knowing that God loves them and is for them and so are we. This is why you will never see me picketing in front of an abortion clinic. Ever. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And I'm sitting out here picketing. And if I did that, there's no way for those men and women that walk into that place for them to ever think that I love them. The only thing they're going to think is, I am against them. And as soon as they find out that I'm a follower of Christ, they're going to th then conclude, then that person's God is against me. Did you know that this posture of being quick to listen, slow to speak, is exactly how Jesus first loved us? I mean, think about that. If Jesus came to be right, 
which by the way he was right on everything but if he came for a position of rightness it would have taken him 30 seconds Wrong, 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 wrong. Center, 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 center. Hell, 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 hell. Lightning bolts, I'm out. 30 seconds, his mission would have been over. He did not come, though, to be right at people, even though he was right. He said he came to seek and save those who are wrong. He came to seek and save those who are lost. He came to provide the way for us wrong people to be made to 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 be made in a right relationship with God. And since Jesus was for people and not a position, he chose the posture of love. And this is so powerful. Listen, he opened his hands to people who didn't deserve it. He opened his hands to people who were wrong. He opened his his hands to people who had sinned against him and holy creator God. He opened his hands to unworthy people who were not worthy of God's love he opened his hands to unholy people and holy people who were not worthy to be in a relationship with God and he listened to them and he served them and he welcomed them and then he spread out those same hands and had nails driven through them on the cross for us to offer forgiveness and redemption and restoration and salvation and eternal life to a bunch of wrong people And now he looks at his followers, those of us who have put our faith in him, and he tells us to do the same thing, to love others just as he first loved us. He would say, don't put your positions in front of people. Maintain a posture that shows people that I'm for them, and so are you. And James goes on. Therefore, basically this is what you're going to need to do in order to maintain a posture of being quick to listen and slow to speak. Therefore, get rid of... and. That phrase, get rid of, literally means take off. Take off. Get rid of all moral filth. James is saying, listen, when you're quick to speak, talk, 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 you're walking around with your I'm right coat on, the I'm right jacket on, and you got to take that self-righteousness thing off because it's moral filth. And the reason he calls it moral filth is because self-rightness or self-righteousness quickly becomes a moral issue. It's what causes us to sin against others, to hurt others, to violate others, to harm others. I mean, isn't it true that physical, emotional, mental harm generally begins with words? Everyone's talking and no one's listening. James is going, listen, if you're going to follow Jesus... By being four people, you gotta take that moral filth jacket off. And you gotta take something else off too. He says, take off and the evil. In this context, evil is the desire to be heard first, to get even, to pay back, to control, to manipulate, to express hurtful anger. And the evil that is so prevalent. I mean, isn't that true? That is so prevalent. I mean, the posture of being quick to speak, talk, ah, 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 that's, the, that's the posture that epitomizes our culture. That's how the world operates. I'm going to talk at you and not listen to you, and, and I'm against you and not for you. And Jesus would look at his followers and say, not so with you. When we realize that we have the I'm right, I'm right, I'm right jacket on with them, with him, with her, We need to take it off because it's moral filth. James says it's evil. And even if we win, we're wrong because we lose the relationship. And then James tells us what we need to put on instead. And and, and by the way, this next word is huge. Humbly accept. 
We take off the jacket of self-righteousness by putting on humility. This is, so, this is so huge. Listen. Humility says, you are more important than my position. Humility says being right with you is more important than being right. And humbly accept the word planted in you. Remember, James is writing to followers of Christ, people who have put their faith in Jesus. James is basically saying, humbly accept, humbly receive today the same good news that you accepted, that was planted in you the day that you put your faith in Jesus. The same good news that Jesus, you know, humbly accept Jesus' love and mercy and grace and sacrifice that you didn't deserve. That God so loved you that he sent Jesus for you to reconcile you with him. Humbly accept that today by doing the same thing for others. By having the posture of being quick to listen and slow to speak. And then James closes by telling us why this is such a big deal. Which can save you now not save you eternally he's not talking about heaven and hell here you know being saved from eternal death receiving eternal life like he's writing to followers of christ like that happened the day that you and i put our faith in jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of our sins and leader of our life he's talking about saving now on the one hand saving the relationship on the other hand saving you from the sin the self-righteousness the hatred the anger that not only kills the relationship but destroys you. The posture of being quick to listen and slow to speak is one of the ways, this is so cool, it's one of the ways that we invite God's presence into our relationships. It's one of the ways that we invite God's presence into their lives. And it's one of the ways that we invite God's presence into our lives. And that's when we experience a transforming work that only he can and wants to do in them and in you and in me. But it doesn't happen like this. It can only happen like this. You can change your posture without changing and compromising your doctrinal, theological, moral, social, political positions. Not only can we change our posture, we should and we must because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. And one of the most, posture, one of the most powerful postures that you can take is to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And this is so powerful because it communicates, I care about you. I care about you ahead of the issues and despite our disagreements and regardless of your position or my position, and when people know that, they'll know that we're for them and not against them. And that's the best chance. That's the best chance that we have for people to be open to us. And only when people are open to us can we demonstrate that God is for you as well. The guy who does all my tattoos is a guy named Ben. And Ben I'm telling you, you cannot meet two different people for me and Ben that basically have, we have different positions on basically every issue that exists in this world. Every single one, Ben and I are on opposite sides, you know, opposite positions. When it comes to God, 
I mean, Ben doesn't believe there's a God. Ben thinks the idea that there is a God is stupid. If there is a God, Ben is like, I don't like that guy. I don't like anything that guy's about. You know, that's terrible. That, this God is terrible. And anyone who would say they're a follower of Christ or label themselves a Christian, Ben just thinks is the most, like, ignorant, closed-minded, simple-minded, stupid individual that's ever walked the face of the earth. And I know that because Ben's told me very clearly. God loves Ben. Jesus came for Ben. Jesus died for Ben. And Jesus rose to provide Ben life, eternal life, if Ben ever chooses to accept it. And I believe that one of the reasons God put me in Ben's life is to help show him that. And so I've chosen to never put our differing, differing positions ahead of the relationship. I've chosen with Ben to maintain a posture of being quick to listen and slow to speak. And I've spent a lot of time with Ben because I have a lot of tattoos. I was counting up this week. I think I've spent 40 hours laying on his table having him shove a needle into my body. Like I've spent a lot of time with Ben. And Ben has, I know all kinds of places where, you know, positions Ben has because he just talks a lot and has no issue telling me all those. And he tells me, and sometimes I'm like, what? And you know what I just do? I just keep asking questions. I don't all of a sudden start even throwing my positions out there and what I think is that. I just keep asking him questions. And you need to know, Ben rarely ever asked what my positions are on anything. Like never. He never asked what my positions are. But after all these times where I just keep asking him questions as he's keep talking, you know what he does, has asked me a lot about? He's asked me about me. He's asked me about my life. He's asked me all kinds of questions about relevant. And when he asks me those questions, I get the opportunity to talk about you. I get the opportunity to talk about an extraordinarily loving community. And when he asks me questions about me, I get to talk about God because he has no idea how much God has weaved weaved through every aspect of my story. And I get to talk about the good news of Jesus without him even knowing it. Now, Ben isn't interested in relevant coming. He isn't interested in my God. But he's interested in me. He cares about me because he knows I care about him. And Ben and I are friends. And I think the only reason that these two different type of people can be friends is because I have chosen a posture of being quick to listen and slow to speak. I mean, I tip really well as well. That probably helps. But I just, the posture of being quick to listen and slow to speak. And who knows, maybe someday Ben will come to know Jesus. But I know that's not, I have no, that's not my job. I can't change his heart. I can't make him come to Jesus. My only responsibility is with posture. Of being quick to listen and slow to speak. And every day showing that, Ben, I'm for you because God is for you. So let me ask you. Are you known by being for or against people? Are you known by being for people who have opposing positions? Are you known by being against them? Come on. Let's be for people because God is. Let's think differently about our posture and put that ahead of our positions. Let's maintain a posture of being quick to listen 
slow to speak. Last week, I invited you to write the name of someone on that Ford display that we have out in the lobby. I invited you to write the name of someone who is not a follower of Christ, who has said no to God and no to church. The name of someone who God wants to know he loves them and that Jesus died for and rose from the grave for. The name of someone who may think that you're against them because of their political stance or sexual orientation or differing beliefs or behavior or a position that they have. The name of someone who needs to know that you're for them. If you didn't get a chance to write that name on, on, that, on that for display, uh, you can do that today. It's right out there in the lobby. We have Sharpies by that. You can, you can write, you know, write it out there today um, before you leave, and I would encourage you to do that. But what I want everyone to do is I want you to think of the person whose name you wrote on that. I want you to think of the person whose name that you are, are, are going to write on it today, or if you're watching online, that you, you would write on it if, if, you, if you were here in person. I want you to think of that person real quick. Got them in your mind? Okay. Now here's what I want you to do. I want to invite you to intentionally start practicing the posture of being quick to listen and slow to speak with them this week. And here's how. Every time, every time you feel angry and it's bubbling up inside and you start feeling angry because of the position, because of their position, and how could they? And it's opposing me. And they can't think that way. And they can't act that way. You're talking about the anger just starting to rise up inside of you. And you're about ready to open your mouth and talk to them or about them. By the way, I didn't even get into that. Don't do that. That's awful. Every time you're about ready to open your mouth after those feelings of anger start welling up inside of you and you're about ready to say something to them, I want you to pause and ask yourself a few simple questions. Question number one is this kind? In, in, basically, in saying this, am I being considerate of how it's going to make them feel? Will saying this communicate, I care about you? Second question, will this build them up? If I say this, will this build them up or tear them down? Will, will, you know, will saying this help show them I'm for them or against them? And here's the third question, is it helpful? Will saying this be helpful or hurtful to them? If your answer to any of these three questions is no, then shut your hole. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. By the way, this applies to social media as well. Ask these three questions before you post anything, before you put one of those cool graphics around your, you know, your profile picture, before you comment on a post. Go ahead and ask these three questions. Real good idea. By the way, before I ever post anything, every time before I ever post anything, I always think about the Ben on the, ben on the other side of that post. I always think about Ben on the other side of it. How would Ben take this? Would this communicate kindness to Ben? Would this communicate that, would he think I'm against him by posting this? Or would he think I'm for this? Is this going to be helpful to him or hurtful to him? Now, in reality, this is going to be really hard for some of you. I know it's going to be hard for some of you because I've talked to you. Well, you've talked at me. Um, did you get that? No? Okay, a little slow this morning. Uh, this, so for some of you, it's going to be really hard for you. Listen, if you have a hard time doing this, if you have a hard time being quick to listen, slow to speak, asking these three questions before you open your mouth, uh, I think God wants to probably do a transforming work in you some way. I think the transforming work he wants to do in you is to transform your heart to have the same heart that he has for them. He wants you to have the same heart for them that he has for them. So if, you know, your anger's building up, you're having a hard time, I'm going to talk, going to talk, going to talk, going to talk. I'm going to get it. You can't, just, you can't just keep quiet. You know it's not going to be kind. You know it's not going to be helpful. But you, instead of, like, asking these questions, I just want you to stop and pray. 
And I want you to pray not for them. I want you to pray for yourself. God, give me the same love for them that you have for them. God, right now, these feelings of anger are welling up in me. Give me the same love for them that you have for them. I believe God will begin to change your heart when you begin to pray that. And when he does, you will be much more willing and able then to change your posture of being quick to listen and slow to speak. Let's go back to that line from that Apple ad. The people who think they're crazy enough to change the world are the ones who do. They're also the ones who think differently than the rest of the world does. I'm crazy enough to think God can change the world through us. So let's think differently about our posture and put that ahead of our positions. Let me pray for us. God, I just... Uh, pray that this doesn't fall on deaf ears. I pray we take this seriously, that we choose this posture, that we choose to love others the way you first loved us, that we choose to put on humility instead of self-righteousness. God, and I pray that as we do this, you just transform our hearts. You give us a heart more for the people, uh, for people that you have. God, I pray this makes, also makes an impact in, in people's life and the people whose names are written on that board. God, I pray that they come to really believe we're for them and there's a God who's for them as well. And I pray you change their heart in that way. God, I also just want to, just don't want to end without, as I talked about, putting our faith in Jesus. If there's someone watching or in the room who said, man, I've never done it. I've never put my faith in Christ and I'm ready to. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm ready to ask you, Jesus, to be the forgiver of my sins, the leader of my life. I pray right now in their chairs in this room or as their couch on their home, at their house, I pray that they choose to do that. I pray, that. I pray that they choose to put their faith in you, Jesus, that in this moment they say, I need a savior for my violation of sin. And Jesus, I believe because of your death and resurrection, that was sufficient. So I'm asking you to be the forgiver of my sins, my savior. And I want to make you my God, my Lord, the leader of my life. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.